This is Nerd Podcast Radio, brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash nerdpodcastradio. We use the support of our patrons to bring you the best show we can. We also reward our patrons with bonus audio each week. If you would like to contact us, the best way to do that is our Nerd Podcast Radio Facebook page, where we share nerdy stuff and talk to our listeners. You can also reach us at brian.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com, mike.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com, erica.nerdpodcastradio at, you guessed it, gmail.com. It's not at, you guessed it, it's erica.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com and anthony. it's a joke anthony doesn't have an email address you can also reach us on twitter at SuperVeganBrian, at NerdcasterMike, at CurseySmurfErica, and of course, at NerdcastRadio. Thanks for listening, everyone. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio, your nerd home away from home. Welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio. I'm your host today, Super Vegan Brian, and I am joined by my sister, Kersey Smurf Erica. Hello. And it is just the two of us this morning. Special Mikey is trapped in a realm of hurt and pain. It is called his home, where is he is trapped with lots of yard work that he has to finish before um, the Homeowners Association rips him a new one. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's rough. And um, Hindu Anthony is still trapped in some alternate hell dimension, probably the Teletubby one. <laughs> and, um, you know, we, we have guest hosts that we could pull upon. But, you know, every once in a while, Eric and I like to just tackle a subject and hang out brother and sister and talk about something on the podcast. And that's what we're doing today. We're going to talk about magic. Mm-hmm. Not the card game, even though we might touch into that a little bit. Um, we're actually going to talk about magic and pop culture and how the different mechanics of magic work in books and how, um, you know, how wizards are portrayed and get into all sorts of cool stuff and role-playing games, books, movies. But first... But first, we're going to not play everyone's favorite game. We're just going to talk about what we did because it's just us. Yep, we're not going to vote. <laughs> We're just going to talk and possibly just go, that was really cool, Erica. Oh, yeah, you, you, what you did was really cool, too, Brian. Yep, yep. that's exactly it. <laughs> so, Erica, what was nerdy with you this week? Uh, nerdy with me this week. Um, well, I discovered that, um, so I used to watch the TV show True Blood, uh, like, years ago. I don't, did you ever watch that? No, no. The closest I've gotten to watching True Blood is I watch Midnight Texas, which is based on like a book written by the same author. Thing and it's, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, yes, it's based on a book or a series of books. And um, I remember when I used to watch it, like, I was like, oh, it's really interesting. And then when I saw it on HBO, I was like, I don't remember a lot of what happened. I should watch it again. So I'm watching it again, and it's... It's really neat because it's almost like watching it for the first time again. Was True Blood on that long ago? Uh, yeah. I mean, the final season, Amelia was like three, so it was like seven years ago. Oh, oh so, it doesn't seem like that long ago. Yeah, so I've been rewatching it and remembering why I love some of the characters so much, and and laughing at the the campy stuff that they did, and. Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. Um, but the other nerdy thing I did is my friend <clears throat> Stephanie came over. And sorry, everybody, I'm I'm getting over being sick, so I don't. Thank you for right. being here anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> so my friend Stephanie came over Tuesday, and uh, she brought her magic deck, and we both play a black and white deck. Or no, she just plays a black deck. I play a black and white deck. And anyway, um. It was a lot of fun because she has a, a vampire ally deck and I just have like what I call a lifesteal deck and uh, it she stomped me and it was really it was really good. It was a lot of fun. So uh, she you know, I figure out I got to get some more synergy with my cards, uh, even though I have really good synergy with my cards. I, I got to tweak it a little bit. So next time, Stephanie, if you're listening, which I know you are. 
Victory is mine. <laughs> I wish we had Matt here. He could do a Stewie impression. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so to trade off a little bit, I um, did not play Magic, um, but I, in fact, in preparation for us to discuss Magic, I dropped by a game shop and got a starter deck. Oh, very cool. Um, yeah, you know, they give those free ones where they give you like two. They give you two 30-card decks. Yeah. Yeah, I got a couple of those, um, but I haven't had an opportunity to play yet. I was supposed I, I, I was supposed to go to the store and play a demo, but when I dropped by there, um, the store owner who told me to come by at that time was like, I'm so sorry, I can't do it right now. So I couldn't do the demo. So that was a whole big plan. Gotcha. Um, but the big nerdy thing happened last night. Um, I was I originally had a whole thing, and we'll talk about that too. Um, but um, last night, Heather goes, I want to do something tonight. And we record on Saturday, so it was Friday night. And I want to do something tonight, but let's not go to dinner or go to the movies. Let's do something different. I mean, we always do the same thing. And I was like, okay. So I went on um, port, one of the Portland event websites, and I found the weirdest thing. DudeCon. That is cool. Yes, it was a celebration of the 20th anniversary of the Big Lebowski. And they, um, so it was a Pendleton store. Mm -hmm. And they tried to gather the Guinness Book of World Records amount of people dressed as the dude in one place. And it was kind of a brilliant plan for them because the dude in the movie wore a Pendleton sweater, the Westerly okay. sweater. So basically what they did was they were like, come on down, buy us a, a $240 sweater and participate in a Guinness World Record. That's people, pretty That's pretty dope. Yeah, and people did. And then other people showed up in their own costumes and um, they allowed any Big Lebowski costume. It could be pajamas. It could be the um, it could be the sweater. It didn't have to, you know, it didn't have to be like a screen accurate costume or anything like that. It just had to be people dressed as the Big Lebowski. And there were all sorts of cool costumes. There was even one dude, and I got a picture of him, um, that looked like a miniature version of Jeff Bridges. Mm -hmm. That like he looked just like him, except he was shorter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, there were. There were so many people there um, for a little thing thrown together at a con. Um, neat things that happened. So they did a raffle every 15 minutes to get the sweater. And when we got there, we got our raffle tickets. And you know that, um, as you are, I'm allergic to wool. Yes. And I told Heather, I go, I'm going to, I want to win that sweater. I think it would be hilarious if I won that sweater because I'm allergic to wool. And of course, I'm going to win the sweater. First raffle won the sweater. Ha! <laughs> Ryan, your fucking luck is unbelievable. <laughs> and, oh, Heather was obsessed with winning one, too. She stayed through every other raffle for the rest of the night because she never won anything before. And she was like, that happens to me all the time. It's like when I go with someone to something and I win the raffle or whatever, and they, they, they'll try to win it for the rest of the night because it's like they want to win the raffle too because it'd be cool to feel like you want it. And I, I win those stupid things all the time. And I just thought it, I, I think I want it because I'm allergic to wool. I think that's the reason. I mean, we got the one that fits. That, that was the thing. I told Heather, I was like, it fits you. You won a sweater. No, you won the sweater. <laughs> See, she's got to not look at it like that. Because once you guys are married, everything you own is hers. And everything she owns is hers. Yep. That's how it works out. So she won a sweater. When you win, she wins. That's yep. what being married is all about. Um, some notable things that were there. Um, they So this was the whole event. They played the Big Lebowski on two big screen TVs. Mm -hmm. Um they had um, a number of contests. They had a trivia contest where you could win socks in the pattern of the sweater. I did not enter that because I just didn't want to sit down for 20 minutes looking up the answers on Google and writing them in. I didn't think that was worth a pair of socks mm. that I can't wear. <laughs> yeah, I see that. Uh, yeah. So, um, but then they had an every 15 minute raffle for the sweater. And then they had... 
a bar set up with free white Russians and beers. Ah, that's fantastic. Made by a local brewery called the Big Legrowski. Ah, that's funny. God, this is so well thought out. And they had a snack platter out with free food. And it was like food from the movie from when he goes when he goes to the one place that has the spread of food on the table. Yeah. Um, and then they had candy. I mean, I think that's just because people like candy. That's so um, There was um, one girl there dressed as dude pool. Dude pool? Yeah. It was basically Deadpool wearing a big Lebowski costume. Got it. And there were lots of dogs in the sweater. Oh, and babies. Cool. There were baby dudes. Um, most of the cost, most of the people there were just people wearing the sweater so they could be part of the photo. Um, but there were a lot of good dude cosplays. There were a lot. Um, there were even some female ones with like Sharpie beards. That sounds like so much fun. And you just randomly <clears throat> looked this up and went to it. Yeah. As usual. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. The normal thing. Um, the rest of the night was really cool too. We had sushi downtown. And then we went we went to Sushi Ichiban in downtown Portland. Really, really good. Um, it's like boat sushi where they have a little train that goes around the sushi bar. Oh, okay. Conveyor belt sushi. And um, then we went to a new karaoke place. So we've been going to a place called McQuillan's. And okay. we fa- we, I, I'd found this place driving around in downtown Milwaukee called Chan Steakery. And there was a sign that said they do karaoke. So we checked it out and it's amazing. It's a Chinese restaurant with a little bar next to it. And it has like the best karaoke ever. So we really like we I think we finally found our karaoke bar because the one that's near here that we were going to really isn't it. Mm-hmm. This place was cool. We clicked with the KJ. We clicked with the bartender. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. Good. Good place. That's I awesome. sang I sang three songs. I did um, Creep by Radiohead. Um Santa Monica by um, Everclear and um, Possum Kingdom by the Toadies. So how come you never do the songs that I send to you? I'm like, you need to do this song. Well, that was actually one thing I thought while I was there is they have a lot of new songs. So a lot of the songs you've sent to me, I can do there. Okay. So now I have a place where I can do like one guy did a um, Mumford and Sons song. And I've okay. never seen Mumford and Sons a karaoke. It's a pretty difficult thing to do. Oh, he did a good job. He was a bartender. And he even did an air banjo solo. <laughs> That's funny. Do you have anything else? Oh, me? No, I've been sick, like, all week. Just been super gross and terrible, and yeah. Well, I'm really glad you still made it. I I had another thing that I attempted because I wanted to have an early thing this week. I went to the Fernie Bray. <coughs> you oh, what? Sorry. I went to the Fernie Bray. It's a um, a gallery shop in um, on the Horth- Hawthorne District of Portland, and the owner is a friend of Brian and Wendy Froud. Really? Yeah. Um, so they have a whole bunch of original Froud artwork there. Oh, that's what you that's what you sent to me. That's, that's right. what I posted. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, some of those were um, Wendy Froud. Um, a lot of them were other local artists. Um, so for listeners who don't know who Brian and Wendy Froud are, Brian Froud designed the goblins and fairies in um, The Labyrinth and The Dark Crystal. Mm-hmm. I got reminded that I'm old. I was at I was at Heather's work and I was talking to the receptionist and I mentioned that I was going to the Fernie Bray and because the Labyrinth and the Dark, Dark Crystal. And she goes, you said a whole bunch of stuff I don't know. And I was like, what things? And she was like, all of it. And I was like, you don't know about the Labyrinth and Dark Prince Crystal? I was like, darn it, kids today. (laughs) Oh, yeah. See, that happens to me at work all the time. Because, like, uh, for instance, uh, Alan, who's a good friend of mine at work, uh, he's like 24, 25, I think. Uh, Maybe 23. I don't really know. He's young. He's in his early 20s. And uh, <clears throat> we play Pokemon Go together. And uh, I caught an Alolan Diglett. And um, I evolved it to where there's three of them. And because it's an Alolan one, it's got 
blonde hair. They each of them have like long blonde hair. And so I named it Mbop. Oh, and, wow. That's great. And I showed it to him and he goes, I don't get it. And I was like, what? Hanson? Have you? He's like, I have no idea who that is. I was like, oh, my God, I give up. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to the to the receptionist at Heather's work, and she told me her dad was born in 77. And I was like, oh, God. Yeah, we're getting old. Yes. That's a thing that happens. Yes. But, yeah. you know, that and and and, you know, no, what no one told me about getting older is that younger people continually look continually look like children for the rest of my life whether they have facial hair or what they still look like little kids no one told me that was going to happen yeah i look at you know younger people and i go oh okay and then like they'll say something you know i'm i try not to be really judgmental but sometimes i am and they'll seem fine and then they'll say something so absolutely ridiculously absurd that I just have to like, I just stop and I go, what an idiot. (laughs) And then I realize that's because I'm old and jaded and I don't have the hope and optimism (laughs) that they (laughs) they do. (laughs) Um, so, but I don't say it out loud. I just say it in my head. Yeah. Why I hate teenagers. I've reached the point where I hate teenagers. Oh, that's bad. Cause you only have a, you only have like what two more years? Yeah, One, three, three more years. Three more years. Yeah, I know. And she's starting to sound like a teenager, and I just like nip it right in the bud. I'm like, no, no, we're not doing this because like I cannot stand it. Like I'll go out in public, and I will hear like teenagers like squabbling about stuff, and I'm like, you don't get it. Ten years from now. You won't even remember what you were mad about that somebody dated somebody else. Like, you you just will give two fucks about it or less. They'll just be like, oh, well, maybe that happened. I don't even remember it anymore. But here you are causing a scene, like, in the middle of a place because your hormones are so out of control and you have no concept of reality. That's why I don't like teenagers. Yeah. I, I don't get that much exposure to them. So that's a good thing. I do because of where I live. Yeah. There's a bunch of schools around where I live. And so that means like all the restaurants around here and and all the public like parks and stuff have a bunch of teenagers in them all the time. Well, I have other things I can talk about, but they tie into future plans. So we can save that for the end. Are you ready to talk about magic? Yay. Yay, magic. So we're going to talk about magic in the different in different forms of media so first off we have to kind of get an idea of what magic is so erica um in terms of pop culture what is magic to you in terms of pop culture yeah like what is magic like when you see magic in something what do you consider magic um See, that's a little difficult because it's, it goes back to, like, the role-playing saying, don't bring your science into my fantasy. Because when you're looking at, like, a fantasy setting, you know, there's a bunch of stuff that could be magic. could be a bunch of stuff that just exists. Like, like in Pathfinder, goblins exist. But if you try to put that in today's world, goblins would be magical because they don't actually fucking exist. But when you're talking about a fantasy setting, they're not magical. They're just a thing that exists. So I think it depends on what the setting is. But if we're talking about like this, like, like any sort of uh, fantasy setting, I'd say it's anything that is done moving spiritual energies or elemental energies. And if we're talking about um, like more of a scientific setting, I'd say it's anything that science can't, um, like like the Jedis in, in Star Wars. Like, it's anything that science can't duplicate. Yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. I, I was thinking something in terms of using, um, using personal power to, to um, bring effects into place. You know, using the powers of the mind or or pulling upon energy from other places, like using spells specifically to, 
to um, create effects in the world that either go along with the laws of physics or break the laws of physics, depending on what, um, depending on what um, setting or or media you're talking about. Okay. So, like, you have like the overall magical world. Like, magic is something that exists in the world that creates things that are outside of the normal understanding. But then, then you also have magic in terms of spells that spellcasters use and wizards and witches use. Yeah, so I think that <clears throat> the important thing that you're trying to say is that it's the difference between something being magical and something being um, willed into existence. So the will of somebody creating something or in effect. Does that make sense? Yeah. Hold on a second. You okay. need to not be on my desk. You need to not be on my desk. Stop it. I'm recording a podcast. Stop it. Stop. No. Don't look at me like that. Don't smack me. There. Lay down. Is that Momo? Yes. <laughs> She's getting worse. She got locked in the bathroom last week during the podcast because she she's getting a second chance. But she... um. She ran across my desk, stopped the recording, and then jumped on my laptop and turned off my Wi-Fi. It's almost like she knew what she was doing. I know. It was, It was. yeah, it was really bad. So the bell is, the jingling bell in the background is my cat. Well, we digress from there. So we talked about magic. Um, let's talk about some of the spellcasters. So we have a bunch of different words that get thrown around in literature. We get wizards, witches, necromancer. Um, sorcerer, druid, clerics. Now, I think cleric is almost a only D and D term, really. That probably got used in some books after D and D came out. Oh. As far as a spellcaster. Yeah, as far as a spellcaster, yeah. Yeah, and then I think um, mystic, shaman, um, medicine man. That's another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of good words for spellcasters out there. Um. Well, you okay, so you and I were talking outside the podcast about looking up this definition of wizard and where it came from. Um, you had, and I'm going to give you credit for this, you had told me about that it comes from the words wizard, which are wise man or advisor, someone to be trusted. I found that in the definition as well, philosopher. Um, I looked into that, and it comes from Middle English, which comes, you know, kind of Middle Ages time. It is really hard to find things about this. I, I tried to find out where the wizard came from, what the first wizard in literature was, and I really think it might be Merlin. Um, and then coming before that, where it came from, and it comes from Druidic roots, and it comes a lot from ancient Rome. But I failed pretty hey, Brian, bad. In, Brian, yeah? you, you just cut out. Like You had a bunch of feedback, and then you just cut out on the side. Oh, what, what did you hear? Uh, I got to Middle English, uh, wise advisor, and that was it. All right, hold on a second. Sorry, folks, we're having some technical difficulties. I think it's okay now. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you Okay. Um, all right, so I'll start over. Um, Erica brought up the idea that wizard comes from this term, wiseard, which means wise man, and it goes into... I, I found, I, I researched the hell out of this, and I found that it's a Middle English term. Um, it probably comes out of ancient Rome, and the whole idea of the wizard is influenced by Druidic lore. I looked into the origin of Merlin um, from the Arthurian legend, which actually comes from outside of the Arthurian legend, Geoffrey of Monmouth wrote in his Historia Regum Britannia in 1136, where he created an amalgamation of char- of historical and legendary figures and created a character named Myrdin Willet, Merlinus Caledonsis, who was a North Brythonic prophet and madman with no connection to King Arthur. So, wow. which means that the Arthurian story of King Arthur with Merlin is a crossover. That's crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> Our understanding of the wizard, the iconic wizard of Merlin, comes from Merlin and his crystal cave, which came later. And um, then every single movie and book that we've been exposed to from there, which has slowly but surely created a 
iconic wizard of Merlin, which has Druidic and um, Roman and British and, and really, really old British roots. And this is sort of like, I kind of view it as the history of the chili pepper, where we view chilies as being something that's been in food forever, when really they were just discovered in, in like the 1400s. Oh, okay. So when something showed up in the 1100s, it's really hard to really pen down. So I want to do a little bit more research that on, on like you Merlin and... Cut out again. Hello? Hello? Why am I cutting out? It's like the loud, like you hit like a, like you get so loud that then you cut out. Let me turn my volume down. Let's see if that makes a difference. I, I usually do turn my volume down before we start and it was turned way up. I didn't mean for it to be. Gotcha. That must be it. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. The cat is going insane. Now she's climbing all over Heather's desk, stepping all over her keyboard. Like, I, I, you can't control what I do over here. Well, I mean, that's a cat. Oh, all right. So I hope this episode isn't too much ru- um, ruined by technical difficulties. So I'm going to go into this a little bit more. There's there's some construction noise outside my window. Um, I hope that doesn't disrupt too badly. Um, we have a maintenance guy that decides to do all sorts of stuff right outside my window the day I record every week. Um, it hasn't you been know, a problem in an episode. Hear it. I could not hear it until you said something. Well, it started... I, I started talking about it before it started, and then yeah. it started right after I finished talking because I could hear him out there getting ready to do it. Um, super um, fun. Yeah. All right. So I looked into Merlin. I did a bunch of research. I, I have to do more like actual library research because looking online didn't give me a whole lot of information. It, ba- it gave, basically gave me a few things. Um, but um, I digress. We wanted to go into the whole iconic wizard Merlin thing a little bit. So let's have some fun with this and talk about the mechanics of magic and pop culture. So I think the first thing we should talk about is spellcasting in role-playing games. And, you know, we'll just say like D&D Pathfinder as one thing. We'll just say D&D because it's all based on the same system. So Erica, how do spells work in Dungeons and Dragons? Um, so Dungeons and Dragons is, depending on what kind of spellcaster you are, will depend on what spells you have available to you. I think that's the biggest thing. I don't think a lot of other, um, stories and movies and stuff, uh, put those types of limitations on a character. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing, but, you know, for the purposes of a game, that makes sense. Um... So you usually have to have, you know, uh, somatic and uh, component. You have to have materials, things like that for when you're casting uh, the spells. And then, of course, they'll each last so many rounds because, again, it's a game depending on the spell and it'll have different effects. Sometimes it'll be the effect towards a creature or non-friendly creature, sometimes a friendly creature. Uh, It really depends on the spell. But I think the most important part is that you have uh, those those components. You have the material, the verbal, and the somatic components. You have a list of spells, and those spells have names. You record which spells you have prepared, and then you cast those spells, and they're used up. That's the basic idea of the magic system in Dungeons and Dragons. Did you know that that system has a name? Uh, I did not know that system has a name. <clears throat> that system is called Vance and Magic, and it was originally coined by an author named Jack Vance in his book Dying Earth. Oh. And one of the spells in his book is actually called Excellent Prismatic Spray. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, it's not... Now, we don't really know if Gary Gygax just ripped off the idea from Jack Vance. I'm guessing it was probably more like influence and practicality. Because Dungeons & Dragons is basically... It's something that Gygax and his friends created from war games. And imagine them playing Napoleonic war games and then adding spellcasting to it. And so it's basically you give a character resources... And then you give them limits on how many times they can use it. And magic 
basically is an ammunition system. It's like, okay, they have these four different spells that they can cast once. So yeah. Unless by, you're a sorcerer, and if you're a sorcerer, you don't have to prepare your spells, but you can only cast like a, like so many spells a day. But sorcerers didn't exist until after 2000, the 21st century. This was, It was all preparation before then. Yeah, but we're talking about today. Last time I checked. Well, yeah, but I'm 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 in the context <clears throat> of what I'm saying right now. I'm talking about the history of the D and D and where it came from. And I, I know later on we got sorcerers and we got the ability to prepare stuff, not prepare and just spontaneously cast spells. But in the origin of the game, it was all the Vancean system. And then as the game went on, people started to realize the limitations of the Vancean system on a controlled narrative and games. And came up with alternative systems for it, like the Sorcerer with spontaneous casting. Yes. Vancean magic is one of those things that's a really easy way to make wizards. It doesn't work so well with clerics and, and healers. No. Because then you end up going, what do you do on your turn? I cast the healing spell. What do you do on your next turn? I cast the healing spell. What do you do on your next turn? I cast the healing spell. And that's the only thing you prepare, and you really can't really do much of anything and you do have other spells available but if you prepare those instead of healing your party is not happy yeah. and then later on in the game they gave you the option of training out spells for healing so you you could prep other things but still have the healing available but you never casted those spells because you were just using them up to cast healing i i think pathfinder has handled it a lot better by giving clerics abilities to do healing spells outside of casting spells they can do like channeling and stuff that helps them be better healers without having to worry about using up their spells and they can use their spells for other things but i, I agree yeah no i agree um do you know anything about spell casting rules in other role-playing games uh, not really i mean well, i really that's only a topic for another day yeah pathfinder and DD. i played runescape once but i don't think I ever anything i've played other games but they always had almost the same exact spellcasting system yeah i mean for for the most part as far as i'm aware and i'm sure any of our people out there that are listening that know something better will email us and let us know um i think that's pretty much the way rpgs work i know we can talk about the spellcasting system in magic the gathering yeah, that that's what I was going to say. I mean, that spellcasting system is more attuned to, you know... A, a turn-based card game? Yeah, it's a turn-based card game. But, you know, it the whole idea is that you get to cast these spells based on um, your, your mana. And your mana comes from the earth. So... Yeah, you have... You play land cards, which you then tap. And then... As your turns go by, you have more and more land cards in front of you, which gives you access to more energy, which then lets you cast more and more spells on your turn, or larger, more powerful spells. Yes. See, I remember how the game works. Well, yeah. I didn't say you didn't. I, I'm, I'm more reassuring myself. I don't want to lose my nerd card. Um, okay. <laughs> I don't think uh, anybody would take it away from you. Or try. I know. One of the hosts of Nerd Podcast Radio would never just be a host on podcast radio. That's true. I don't think the other NPR would take me. <laughs> uh, probably not. I don't think they'd take either of us. We're not journalists. So, um, Erica, what is your favorite spellcaster in a book? My favorite spellcaster in a book? Uh-huh. That's really rough, Brian. Oh, is that too wide for you? No, that's like you. It's like trying to ask me which of my children I love. Well, more. give me three. Um, favorite spellcasters in books. I would have to say definitely Harry Dresden. I love the way the ma magic mechanics work in it. Like I just, I love it so much. It's so well done. Um, God, it's re that's really hard, Bri. Well, let's talk about Dresden's magic mechanics first. Okay. So he uses willpower. Yes. To, um, which is fueled on emotion. Which is fueled on emotion to 
pull into the power of life and faith and belief for all the different things mm-hmm. to create magical effects. He taps that, into the power of creation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Taps into the power of creation, effects. but he can't break the laws of physics. No, he cannot break the laws of physics because the laws of physics are built within the magic. Yes, but he can transfer his own energy to create energy effects or pull on energy from something else, like a lightning bolt or anger or lust or whatever. Because, yeah, the human emotion can power a lot of things. Yes, yes. And that's one of my favorite things about it, especially when he... uh, he has to when he he makes his potions. Like if you just listen to the way he makes his potions, like when you're trying to like blend in, he's like, "Well, just a piece of paper that's blank for my mind and and this doesn't taste like anything." And it was just it's it's just so it's so cool. Yeah, one thing that I have to say about Jim Butcher is he created a very believable magic system that you feel like it could exist in the real world. You feel like the hidden world of Harry Dresden could actually be a hidden world. Yes, exactly. Because he, he takes the mundane and, and ties it into the, the fantasy part of it so well. All right. So I'm going to compare Dresden to Dr. Strange now in the comic books. Okay. Now in the comic books, this is how magic worked. If the writers wanted Dr. Strange to use magic to do something, he could. Yeah. That's that's it. Doctor yeah. Strange basically could basically do anything the writers wanted him to. Yeah, pretty much. Like there are no there are no limits, there are no boundaries. There's you can just, you know, do whatever. Yep. Yep. I need to time travel this week. Let's do that. I need to resurrect someone this week. Let's do that. Oh, I can't do that next week because that would hurt the plot, but this week I can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um which isn't which isn't I mean when you're all powerful, it doesn't, it doesn't, there, there's no, uh, it's like playing the Sims on God mode. Like there's but, no, there's no risk to it. Yeah, but he's also not really all powerful. He's just as powerful he needs to be for that specific story because that's the format of a comic book. Well, no, I know. And I'm saying that for a comic book, that's great. Yeah. But when you're trying to run your own like in a in a video game or an RPG or anything like that, when you're trying to run that run that type of scenario, if you were all powerful to be able to do whatever you needed to do, it wouldn't make the gameplay worth it. There has to be limitations. Yeah. That's it. That's all I was trying to say. So I, I did a little research and I came across a wizard in a books in books that I know you've read but I haven't read. Yeah. Hug? Yeah, Pug. <laughs> Who is Pug? Uh, Pug is a... <clears throat> God, it's such a complicated story. It's by Raymond Feist. Um, or Feast. I really have never figured out how to pronounce it's Feist. it. It's Feist. I looked it's it up. Feist. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and it's a, it's a book series my dad gave me when I was a kid. And Pug starts out as this very, like, unassuming character in the book. He's just this essentially this young boy um and his world gets torn apart literally a rift in time and space between worlds uh occurs and they're being invaded by essentially uh an empire based on uh the japanese like the shinto japanese and through his <clears throat> his trials and tribulations he comes to find out he's like the most powerful magician in the world. And then, and they call them magicians, um, not wizards. Uh, but essentially he's, he's a, a, wiz- a wizard. Cause when we think of the word magician, we think about like stage tricks, you know what I mean? But he, yeah. this is actual, like, he's actually like a wizard and, uh, he, it's a very, very like, from your bootstraps up kind of story. It's very cool. How do the mechanics of magic work? <coughs> so the mechanics of magic in that one uh, is very much uh, very similar to Dresden, uh, but all in fantasy. It doesn't really tie into like the mundane world. Uh, it's very like within yourself, seeing the limits within yourself, being able to touch the world around you and 
become one with the energies in the universe, which allow you to do things within physical possibility. There's nothing that's not physically possible that he does. Now I'm going to, um, it's been a long time since I've read these, but now I'm going to talk about a little bit about the, the mechanics of the magic in the Belgariad written by David Eddings. I read okay. these when I was a kid, but this is what I remember. And this is kind of interesting because this is very different than any of the ma magic systems we've used so far. It was people who cast spells have to discover words of power. And when they say those words, it creates effects. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard You that remember system. that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I remember they tried doing something like that in Pathfinder in one of the optional rule systems, and I don't think anyone used it. You know, um, I just thought of a book series that magic is completely different <coughs> than anything we've really talked about. So oh, far. what's that? It's the Sword of Truth book series. Uh, oh, I didn't know you read those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, I can't remember. But but the way the mechanics work in that is that there is no one person that controls all aspects of things. Everybody has something very specific. Like there's a a line of women they call the confessor. And essentially their power, and it's passed on from mother to daughter, is that they can get the truth from anybody. All they've got to do is touch them and release the power. So imagine constantly, constantly having to fart. Yeah. Okay. Seriously. Seriously. This is, this isn't the way yeah. to describe it, but this is the best way to describe it. Constantly having to fart, but holding it in because you know, if you do, you'll basically destroy, like kill everybody around you. So that's their power. They hold this power inside of themselves, constantly having, like, they can't release themselves at all. They can't relax. Because if they touch somebody and they release, like, if they're relaxed and they touch somebody, they will completely destroy their consciousness. They become their slave. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's a completely, <clears throat> and this is their magic. So it's hereditary. It's something they have to fight all the time. And they're considered these holy women in the in this world because they solve all the like they're the magistrates of the world. Like if somebody is accused of murdering somebody, a confessor will go to that city or that town and talk to that person and they will say, you know, you have to tell me. And if they don't believe they're telling the truth, they will touch them, release their power to get the truth. If they don't believe them. And then once they do, that person has lost all of their willpower. They are basically just a limiting to whatever the confessor wants for the rest of their life. And so the confessors don't want to have to use their power, but they're the judges in that world. It's it's very cool. Very, very cool. Like I never read anything like that before. That's one series I've never gotten into and I've heard so many good things about it. It's really good. At least like um the first the first isn't, five books, I would say. Isn't the what the sort of truth? Who wrote that? Shit. Uh, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Let's see. I I can find it that's real a, quick. Yeah, that's, that's, that's Terry Goodkind. Good. Terry Goodkind, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I always confuse the sort of truth with the sort of Shannara because they're both written by Terry's. Oh yeah. Because sort of Shannara is Terry Brooks and 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 sort of truth is Terry Goodkind. Yeah. I um, I, I will tell you though, that's just like one that's just like one magic piece in there. And like there's another one, there's these women that are essentially enforcers that their magic is totally different. Their magic is if anybody with magic uses it against them. Instead of it hurting them, it creates a bond between them that they can then control that person. Wow. Yeah, it's you have to read it. Like the way he did the magic in there is it's fucking insane. There's no one person that has power over absolutely everything. 
There's just not. Everybody has a different type of power that works differently and in tandem with something else. And he's created like this balance in the world. It's it's very, very cool. Well, I, I have a couple that I want to mention because they're really they're 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 they all have very distinct um, systems of magic. Mm-hmm. So we have Harry Potter and we're a nerd podcast. We have to talk about Harry Potter. Oh, OK. And I think that it's simple. I, I don't think there's really much complication to it. I mean, even though the entire book series is about them going to a school and learning about magic, it really barrels down to. Learning certain magic words and learning certain movements of the wand. Yeah, I was going to say, it boils down to Latin and a wand. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of garbled Latin. Yeah. Yeah, sort of like in Dre- and Harry Dresden, it doesn't matter what word you use, just as long as it's not a, a word you use in normal language. Yeah. Except like for that one time when he did that. Oh my god, I love it. I love that his like candle lighting thing is flickaspickum. Yep. <laughs> and how different characters use different languages or some just use oh, nonsense yeah. words. Yes, yeah, some of the some people use nonsense, some people use what Egyptian. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you got Harry Potter, it's basically just that. Mm-hmm. Then you got The Magicians. Have you seen the show or read the books? Nah. All right, The Magicians, and now I can't remember who wrote the books and I have to mention it. Magicians. Um the Magicians is written by Lev Grossman. So the system there is hand gestures. That's basically it. You do complicated finger movements. Uh, okay, so if somebody ties your hands up, you're fucked. Pretty much. And they've okay. done that. And there are ways to get around it. And there's some spells that you can do mentally. And, you know, there's always that. But, yeah, it's, it's you move your hands a certain way. One like of the characters you lose loses his hands. One of the characters loses his hands, and he can't do magic. Got it. Yeah. Or or in Um, Harry Potter, if you lose your wand, you can't do magic. Unless you're Dumbledore. Unless you're Dumbledore. Yeah. And, I mean, that that got covered in the books a little bit. They talked about magic without a wand a little bit in the books. Um, What was it? In Dresden, if you don't have an object, you don't have as fine control over your magic. You still have it. You just don't have have the focus. You can't focus it uh. yeah you can do better when you have a when you have an item and do you know what i love about harry dresden's magic i love that a circle can hold magic i love that yeah i like that too and how you don't have to be a spellcaster to do it no no you don't and that really comes back to more real world magic like and i know some people are like what the fuck so, but the whole idea of like uh, Wicca is that you are putting your you're filtering the energies of the world through you and you're using your will. And a lot of that is using circles and you use circles to to cast magic. So it's very, very much in the way that Wiccans use it in real life. Yeah, it made me think that Jim Butcher did a lot of research about real world practices when he created the Dresden Files universe. He did. He absolutely did. Yeah. Which may be why his system of magic is my favorite. But now have you read the King Killer Chronicles? I have not. In the King Killer Chronicles, it's it's another going to a magic school, going to a magic academy series. And Mm -hmm. they go into much more detail when the main character learns how to cast spells. Like Mm -hmm. you you have chapters and chapters of him going through lessons and like it goes into like if if magic was real using the same rules in that book you could practice it and learn it based on how well it teaches it in the book wow that's cool well their their way of magic had a lot to do with mental flexibility and mental practice mm-hmm. and it reminded me of juggling now bear with me here it was basically like if you could coordinate your thoughts in your brain a certain way and practice it, you could do magic. Now, not everybody can practice and learn how to juggle. A lot of people can because you can practice the 
moves and learn how to juggle. But some people aren't just aren't coordinated enough to do it. But in the books, if you learn these mental practices and you're mentally coordinated enough to do it, you can learn how to do magic. Hmm. And a lot of it, like the exercises that his teacher gave him were like, I need you to believe that I need you to believe that um, this coin isn't there. Now, I need you to believe like actual believe that this coin isn't there and that it's there at the same time. You know, so I need Schrodinger's you cat. Yeah, it's like I need you to believe that um, there's a hole in the. You know that. You know, I, I. Yeah, it was like believing concepts at the same time and believing contradictory com- concepts at the same time. And he develops this. The main character develops this very exceptional willpower through practice, the That's ability to conceptualize things in a way. And it was all about imagination and belief and being able to maintain five different disparate thoughts at the same time that you focused on with 100% belief. That's very cool. So if that character was, he, he did so much practice when he was young that when he engages in battles of will later on in the books, it reaches back to him when he was a kid and his will is ironclad and he can't be beat that way. Got it. Yeah. It, so that, that, that's actually an interesting so if you haven't read them, they're by by Patrick Rothfuss. Um, now I'm I'm talking to lis- listeners because I've plugged this book at Erica a bunch of times. Um, her dad actually told me to read it. Um, you might want to wait though because the third book isn't out yet, and it might be a while before it is. He's pulling a George R. R. Martin. Gotcha. That's why I haven't finished the Game of Thrones yet. I read like the first three. <coughs> And then I went back and read the first three again because I feel like the closer I get to it and then I'm going to get to like that finishing the last one and then I'm going to be mad about it. That's a good thing to bring up. How does magic work in Game of Thrones? Uh, I want to say mysteriously. I mean, yeah, there's no real mechanics. It's sometimes it does a thing and sometimes it doesn't do a thing. By all intents and purposes, I really think it's faith based magic. I really do. And not just like, um, you know, the the God of Light or the Seven Gods or, I mean, all of their magic is coming from like the gods, except for the Children of the Forest. But that's also coming from the old gods. So, I mean, even though they're not specifically named gods, I mean, it, it's you could you could infer that it's a nature magic. The old gods is nature magic. So, I mean, which going going back far enough, all godly magic is nature magic, but I digress. Um, but yeah, no, every, <clears throat> all the magic there is, it's faith-based magic. What I do like about Game of Thrones magic is that they say only, only, only death can pay for life. So essentially, any... Any transfer of energy requires the same balance of energy. So it's almost like an equilibrium. Oh, okay. And, and that's neat. It, I mean, it is an equilibrium. Like, to, to get this over here, you're going to have to do this over here. You have to balance the scales. What, what, uh, okay, so we've covered all the greats, but we haven't gotten to the big one yet. You mean Lord of the Rings? Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Very well done, Erica. You're welcome. Um, I think that's another one where we don't really get the mechanics of magic. I think magic is just a mysterious, powerful thing. No, I'm going to disagree with you on that. So what are the mechanics of magic in Lord of the Rings? The mechanics of magic in Lord of the Rings is that... So essentially, the wizards... So Merlin and uh, Rath... They're like... Merlin, you mean Gandalf? Gandalf. I meant Gandalf. Sorry. Um, uh, um, in the brown wizard, ga- I can never pronounce his name. Oh, now I can't. I, I probably Rast- could have, I could have thought of it right away, but you said that now I can't. Yeah. Um, okay. Radagast. Radagast. Thank you. Um, they, they're, when you read about it, so essentially the wizards. They're basically angels, right? Yes. 
<laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. They're angels. They're of they they came to save everybody and protect everybody, and they're here, and that's what they do. And um, the neat thing about it is the more that the more they sacrifice, the more powerful they get. So if we're talking about a mechanic and magic, the more sacrifice, the more power they get, and that's why Gandalf because becomes Gandalf the White. So. That's how I thought it was because he um, he soloed the 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 Balrog and got all the XP. No, it's sacrifice. <laughs> it's sacrifice. <laughs> so I mean, that is the mechanic of magic there. So like the magic light um, that he that uh, um, Frodo is given um, from Galadriel. Um, so the magic light that he's given from Galadriel. The reason that it works is, yes, it's magic that Galadriel gave him. But he is having to sacrifice so much that it creates the power in it. Now, Sam is the one that actually uses it. And that's because Sam is the character in the book that sacrifices the most. And he does it out of love for Frodo. So you can argue that all magic within that realm is through now even the evil magic is through sacrifice because all the the deaths of the orcs and all that sort of thing the sacrifice of um god i wish i wasn't sick because my brain is just not working oh, <clears throat> so i follow you there yeah, huh? you, the sacrifice of Saruman, because he's he's basically sacrificing huge amounts of troops, and he's blackening the land. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I so, mean that's why they basically destroy everything. Yeah, so the, I mean that's what it is. It's the it's the sacrifice. So all power in that book comes from in those books comes from sacrifice, and and not necessarily the Hobbit. The Hobbit's something different. But when we're talking about Lord of the Rings itself, it's all about sacrifice. The more you sacrifice, the more powerful you get. Well, I think Lord of the Rings is a good one to close out the topic. Um, so, movie described badly. I only have one. Okay. Um, Jack Black raises an orphan and teaches him his ways and um, ends, up, ends up screwing up horribly and gets turned into a baby. No fucking idea. The house with a clock in its walls. Okay, that's shitty, because I haven't seen it yet. That's in theaters. I didn't spoil anything. No, no, that's in theaters. You can't movie describe badly something that... Sure I can. I just did. Like, I call bullshit. <laughs> do you have one? <clears throat> uh, yeah, I do, actually. Okay. A, disjoint, a disjointed tale of three older women who uh, troop through the universe, dragging children along, telling them how terrible they are. Wrinkle in time? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I haven't seen the new movie. It's, it's terrible. The book is terrible. The movie is terrible. The book is slightly better than the movie. I remember how scary that book was when I was a kid. I remember thinking, why am I reading this horrible thing? It's scary. <laughs> it, oh, yeah. I mean, it's super fucking scary for a kid. But, <clears throat> excuse me, it's also just terrible. It's so disjointed. And I get where they were going. They were trying to tie science into magic. And, and I get the theme, like, at the end, no matter how, how much somebody says you can't do something, you can do whatever you want and believe in yourself. I get it. But it's done in such a negative way that it's like, really? Like, okay. Like, it, it was just terrible. It was a terrible book. It's a terrible movie. Oh, I, so um, nerdy stuff <clears throat> you're currently into. Um, I got a big one. Do you mind if I go first? Well, I wasn't done. I had another movie. Oh, I, I thought we were just going to do two real quick. We're almost out of time. We're almost done. It's We have three minutes left before we're done. Okay. <gasps> Save it till next week. Oh, no, you do not jump on my desk. No. She's misbehaving and purring at the same time. Like, she likes being yelled at. Um, so I got something I'm 
into um, next week. Heather and I are going to go see a band we heard about on YouTube. Okay. Too Many Zoos. Too Many Zoos. Okay. It's a brass house band. You know, like house uh, music? No, I'm I'm trying to picture it. So a yeah. bunch of trumpets, that's a house band? It's It's like house music, like EDM, but no electronics, no synth or anything. And it's a Barry sax, a trumpet, and a drummer. Three that guys. really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I, we got into this brass house thing, and Heather found a, a band that we I, we really like too called Moon Hooch, which is also really good brass house. And I think it's just because both of us played band in high school, and we and we found like really really cool music that uses the music we played in high school uses the instruments. Okay. They're also one of the reasons why we want to see too many zoos is because the Barry Sax player is named Leo P. And he is a character. Like, he does things with a Barry Sex that shouldn't be possible. And he dances while playing. Oh, that sounds really fun. Yeah. yeah we're really excited. It, and it's cool to have discovered the band on YouTube before they were, like, big. Well, excellent. That's what about great. you, other than recovering from your plague? <clears throat> no, I'm pretty much uh, recovering from my plague. I'm planning on taking the girls to the Renaissance Festival, but that's like a couple weeks away. And you got Amelia's birthday coming up next month. No. No, yeah. it's, in, it's in November, not October. Well, it's basically October right now because the podcast doesn't come out till Wednesday. I guess. Yeah. yeah she's going to be 11. Oh, she, she's aging slow from my perspective. Oh, shut your face. Yeah, because every time I talk to her, I'm like, how old are you, 12? And she's like, no. <laughs> Don't rush it, man. It's all, She's already becoming a young woman, and it's very annoying. Well, you still have the baby. That doesn't mean that just because I have a baby doesn't mean that I'm not upset by Amelia getting older. I mean, yeah. she start, she's starting to get boobs. Oh, that's. That's awful. It's horrible. You need to put a stop to that. I can't. <laughs> How it works. Because, like, I look at her, and <clears throat> she has to wear, like, a little bralette. Not a bra bra yet, but, like, a little bralette. Otherwise, you could see her nipples through her shirt. And I'm like, what happened to my little baby? Oh. awful. And I'm heartbroken because she's getting so big. And, and she's starting to be, like, every weekend... Like, Mom, can I go over to my friend's house over for overnight? Like, every weekend, she wants to, like, have her friends over or go over to her friends. And I'm like, what happened to spending time with your family? What happened to, like, going to the park with your mom? Like, it's awful, Brian. Yep, she's she's going to have her own life and her own independence now. It's going to be awful for you. I mean, I guess the and goal it's is never going to get that, better. Yeah, I know. I guess the goal <laughs> is eventually that she be independent enough to leave my house and create her own life. I guess that means I was a successful parent. But right now, I'm not feeling very good about it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, and she has a cell phone because I, I mean, I gave her a cell phone and then she broke it and then I made her buy a new one with her own money because I wasn't going to pay for it. And. And uh, now she's like, oh, I got to text Jayla. I got to talk to Jayla, which I get. But I'm like, all you guys do is sing, send funny memes back and forth. How about you, like, you know, spend some time with your sister and me? Oh, OK. I feel like I'm always yanking the phone out of her hand. All right. I Whoa. digress. That was a crazy sound. Did a truck drive by or something? Yes. Oh, wow. That was a really I can see, like, the vibration in the waveform. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. A big truck just drove by. So um, I got that, and then I talked about this last week, but in March, um, I'm going to do a podcast episode at a con with Odin. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah, in Washington. So I get to meet him in person. Okay. Um, I have several requests for, for us to do do some Pokemon episodes, so we're going to have to work that in. Yeah, we have to figure that out. So. 
Um, but that's, I think that's it for our episode today. So, we need um, to talk about the new passenger that's out. What, the second edition? Yeah, yeah, I got to Yeah, test yeah we got to get an episode of that. I got to play a test play. That was my yeah. nerdy thing last week. Oh, okay. I got to play a test play, but mine was two weeks ago. Mine was the seventh level adventure. Oh, I didn't get to do that one. Brent didn't tell me when that one. I got to do the first level adventure. There's vampires in it. Woo! Yeah. Don't tell me anymore in case I get to test play it. Okay. So, all right. Well, well that's it. That was a fun talk about magic and wizards and mechanics. <clears throat> Sorry about some of the technical issues we had during that. If you have anything you want to add, please put it on our Facebook page, Nerd Podcast Radio, on Facebook, or you can reach us on Twitter at Nerdcast Radio. Um, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. We really, really need those. We don't have that many, actually. Don't assume because a lot of people listen that many people have reviewed. So let us know. Don't base the audio quality of this episode on a review. I know this episode was a little had some dips here and there because Eric is recovering from sickness and I have a cat that's just interfering with everything. So um, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here, Erica, even though you're not feeling well. Problem. I am dedicated Nerd Podcast Radio host. This has been Nerd Podcast Radio. Stay nerdy, stay informed, and stay awesome. Stay awesome. Yay! Brian cut you off. Oh.